have been friends for a very long time, and uh, it's just, um, I was kind of in the social media world, kind of throwing some stuff out there, and mentioned to someone earlier, like, it just feels so at home, we just feel so at home with you people. And uh, some of you we've met over the years, many of you we've, we've never met, because you're, you're new in the mix of this family and all of this, but that's the way it's supposed to be. But uh, even when we're just meeting face, or seeing faces and meeting people that we haven't engaged with before, uh, we just feel so at home. Thank you. Like, honestly, it's, this is a very, you need to, maybe you need to hear this. This is a very welcoming, warm community. And don't ever lose that, no matter how big you get or all the different various and sundry plans that Jesus has for this place. I think he's dreaming a lot of things for this, this family and this church, but um, it's really, really, really great to be here. So I have a few thoughts, some things that I've been kind of musing about, tossing about in my heart and my mind, uh, thinking about sharing with the community today and um, unpacked some of it this morning. And it's from this crazy little book in the Old Testament called Haggai. How many of you have never heard of Haggai? Wow, there's a room full of liars. It's amazing. It's just incredible. Uh, the, ministry, the ministry of Jesus will be very powerful and profound tonight, as many of it. But uh, one person in the room's never heard of Haggai. And, uh, but uh, it's kind of one of those obscure little books. And uh, so I thought it was kind of important for us just to maybe give a little bit of uh, reflection, some understanding of who Haggai is and who he wasn't. But um, what's happening, mates? Are we good? Bam, there it goes. Look at that animation and everything. He's uh, an interesting figure. His name means my holiday, which is kind of bizarre. I haven't quite sorted that one out. I don't, I don't know if that's like important or not. It's just slightly intriguing uh, by any sense of the imagination. But, um, he was a Hebrew prophet during the building of the second temple in Jerusalem, one of the 12 minor prophets in the Hebrew Bible, and of course the author of this book. Now when we say minor prophet, uh, obviously there must be some major prophets, so like big huge tomes and like lots of thought and like flowing, glowing literature and words, like Isaiah and Jeremiah would be known as major prophets, and Haggai's minor, because he's just, we got kind of like a journal entry from him. That's very important to understand, this isn't about importance. Major and minor isn't better or worse, it just sits in a slightly different uh, posture in the biblical text. So a major prophet, like Isaiah, for example, is just tapping into massive, huge, amazing a broad stroke tapestry of God's story and what God is trying to communicate to the human race. So someone like Isaiah is prophesying about the coming of Jesus and all kinds of amazing things. Haggai touches this stuff, but we just kind of have a, a, a little bit of, of, a, of, of um, like a journal entry. I think that's kind of the best way to say it. It's a little bigger than a tweet. Not quite a massive book. Maybe it's a nice settled Facebook post that hopefully no, nobody like takes issue with and starts running it down all sorts of horrid rabbit trails of, of arguments and stuff. But it's just this great little snapshot. So let's just open our hands for a second. We're going to look at some thoughts that kind of tumble out of this text. Come, Holy Spirit. 
we stir anticipation that you're going to speak. We're not just going to hear a few thoughts with a crazy Canadian accent and maybe not understand half the words, but that you're actually present now to, to engage our ears. Whatever's running through our body right now that would be distracting, Lord, any substance or any sickness or anything that would distract our ears from hearing you, say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Just get that in the right place. Lord, where our minds might be wandering or even damaged or preoccupied with even good things or the concerns of life, Lord, we don't turn all that off, but we ask you just cut through all the clutter right now. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak to individuals and speak to us as a family, as a community. In Jesus' name. So here's a bit of a, of a snapshot. It, it's only two chapters. It's, it's, again, not very long. We don't want to take time to, to drill deep down into the text. We'll, we'll, we'll lift a couple verses out, and I think um, the Lord will, will help us discover some things together and, and have uh, something to say to us tonight. But as we've already said, Haggai is a, is a minor prophet. He's been engaged with the, with the nation of Israel He's part of the building of the second temple, but his story begins long before that. He's with the nation of Israel, and this is way back historically, but they're under oppression. They're actually, they've been enslaved by, by Babylon, by a powerful military and political force in the world, and, and they've been brought into slavery, and the, by the, the marvelous, miraculous working of God, They've been released from this captivity. They've been released from being under this oppression, and they're able to move into the land that God has promised to them. Some people decide to stay behind. It's a bit, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, be careful what you wish for. You know, it's, it's strange how that happens, and it would happen to Jesus all the time. This is why he would say to people things like, well, you've, you've touched me in a certain way, you've received some healing, but my advice to you is just go and sin no more. Or just kind of, you know, reorient your life around who I am. Isn't that a strange thing? We can encounter God. He actually brings some sense of liberation and freedom, but it's a whole other thing to step into the freedom that he's actually given us. Does that make sense? I remember some years ago, we had a young girl that came into one of our vineyard gatherings uh, in the city that I'm now back in, Kelowna, British Columbia in Canada, and we were in a remarkable window of healing grace. I mean, it was like, if you remember, there's this one verse in the New Testament where Jesus is just sealing healing breaking out everywhere, and the text describes it like the finger of God coming right down in the midst of the people. And everyone was healed. We were in kind of one of those seasons, and there was a young girl who was healed of blindness. It was one of the most crazy, incredible healings that, that we'd seen at that time. And she was able to see, and she was just starting to just really, uh, I mean, it was just absolutely mind-blowing, as, as Mark would say. It was nuts. 
Mark, not Mark in the gospel, Mark the dude that was up here sharing earlier. I'm just, you know, just clarify that. I was listening, Mark. Um, but the strange thing was this. She was a, an athlete. She was very, very fast. And uh, I think you have this here. It's a worldwide phenomenon. The Special Olympics, have you heard of that? So she was on the Canadian national team in Special Olympics as a, as a blind sprinter. And the Special Olympics were coming up. And she wrestled. She came into my office one day, and she was just wrestling because her vision was starting to fade. She said, I'm actually really wrestling with God right now. I've based so much of my identity and my life, and I'm so excited about going to represent the nation of Canada in the blind race at the Special Olympics. She says, I'm just so, I, I, I'm, I'm delighted by what Jesus has done, but I almost don't want it because now I can't run, I, like I'll be cheating, like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be running as a sighted person. Now this is, you know, this isn't to freak anybody out or anything. Honestly, she, the, her healing just faded away. And this was documented. It wasn't just that we were in some sort of psychosomatic, kind of hyped up environment that somehow she had sight and had lost. Isn't that amazing? We're called to follow Jesus, to keep in step with him, not in rules and regulations, but by the invitation and the sweet guidance of his Holy Spirit, as we've been feeling and experiencing tonight. But we, but we keep step. This is a journey. It's a path. It's a way. And we stumble and we fall, and the biblical text tells us, you know, a righteous person falls down over and over and over again. But the difference between them and someone else is they get up every time. So this isn't about perfection. This isn't even about running hard. This isn't about busyness. This isn't trying to make your Christianity happen. But it is about keeping step with where Jesus is asking you to step. And there were some people in the nation of Israel at this time, they decided to stay behind. It's just too much of a leap. It's like, God, I felt your blessing. Everything is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sorry, there's my AD mind kicking in. But, but Lord, it's just, it's too much to just pull up roots and actually move towards this thing. And there was a whole group that did. Now, the amazing thing was, as they took this step, they landed in this new land, this new place, and there's prophecies, and it's going to be a land of milk and honey, and it's going to be this and that. It's going to be all glorious. And it didn't quite play out as quickly as they thought it would. And for many people, it didn't happen at all like they thought was going to happen. I don't know about you, I've kind of experienced this with Jesus several times. I think I've got him sorted. I think I have it figured out. My life is ruined. My heart is compelled. I'm absolutely in love with him. But it doesn't quite always pan out the way I thought. And the people are in this condition. These are good people. I mean, they have risked everything to take the steps for God. But life starts happening you get a little busy and it's like a little discouraging you're not quite sure what's going on and you make your way to you know some of the gatherings but you know you got to pay bills and your kids are growing up and maybe you got married somewhere in the middle of it all or you've made some life decisions and it just gets a bit rough and the text describes it like this you just start focusing on your own paneled house is it wrong to focus on your paneled house? Absolutely not. 
But when it starts to be the new normal, God nudges and he shakes and he prods and he says, you know what, I think I've got something a little bit better than this for you. You might have lost your way a little bit. There might be something that I'm asking you to do that you're, you're just not super clear on right now. And the Lord calls his people in the book of Haggai and he says, just step out again. Just step out again. And there's numbers of words that just kind of jump off the page as God is trying to get the attention of, of his people. And there's several things that just kind of pop out. Give careful thought to your ways. What are you doing? Just give it some thought. Just slow down enough to go, yeah, I'm kind of in my new normal. I'm kind of in this sort of grind maybe, even a rhythm. It's like, just, just give some thought. I, I might be speaking into your context right now. Here's another thing that jumps out several times all over, obeyed. There's this crazy, crazy little parable of Jesus. He says, hey, I'll tell you a story. Think about this. Let me ask you a question. Who's the son or the daughter that ends up doing the will of the father? The person that says, yes, 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 Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and never does anything. Or the person that says, no, 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 no. No, no, God, no. No, just not for me. No, no, Lord, too much. But they just end up falling on their face and abandoning everything and end up doing everything they said they weren't going to do. What do you think the answer is? It's number two. Feared the Lord keeps showing up all over Haggai. And fear, in my understanding, particularly as fear starts in regards to our relationship with God, starts stirring up in the New Testament writings, it, it's based on a Greek word, phobos. Someone yell out what were English word we would get from the root phobos. What, what English word does it make you think of? What's that? Phobia. So it's like it's not, it's not like a paralyzing terror fear, like, like the fear of the dark or the fear of heights. It's, it's more, it's, it's a phobia, it's this sense of, oh my goodness, I don't want to lose whatever I've got with God. You know, it's that, it's that sensibility, you know, the psalmist, David, said it this way. Let not your Holy Spirit depart from me. Remember that text? Is the Holy Spirit always with us? Absolutely. Does Jesus leave us or abandon us? No. But there's this, there's this phobia. There's this fear. There's this sense, oh, Lord. And you know when it starts gripping you, right? And it starts compelling you towards obedience. And it starts compelling you towards faith. One thing we say in the vineyard communities a lot, and I'm sure you've said it around here, we spell faith. How do we spell faith? Risk. Risk. So your concern to be in step with God outweighs other concerns in life. And the biblical text describes that like fearing the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? 
But here's, I think, the focus of, of, of the text that we'll peel, keep peeling on tonight. How does it look to you now? How's, how's your faith look? How's your life look? How's it look to you now? Just, just sit back and reflect. How's it looking? How's church looking to you? How, how are things looking? Even some of you in this room that are considering Jesus, if you haven't taken that even initial step, Mark and Jim were, you know, calling us all to like, it's amazing. I, I loved, was it, was it Mark, uh, you know, who was sharing, wow, as I engaged and invited, I was part of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit in helping someone step towards Jesus for the first time. Did, did you hear what he said? I actually went deeper in my obedience to Jesus. Like it awakened my own journey in Christ. It's this, it's this beautiful, beautiful mix in this journey. How's it look? Be strong and work, for I am with you. My spirit remains among you. Do not be afraid. Now remember who the prophet is speaking to. Yeah, Jesus, but you know, I don't know. I fell off the wagon again. I hit that bottle pretty hard last week. I stumbled and fell over here, Jesus. Or I made that decision on my tax return. Oh, I cut that person off, you know, on, on the roadway. Or I slipped into that roundabout where I shouldn't have. And I, I created all kinds of turmoil. Or I, I responded unkindly to a relative or a friend. Or I got so frustrated with my spouse. We ended up like slamming doors. And I just feel so terrible. Don't, don't. Fear, I'm here. You can do this thing. You can re-engage. You can get up again. You can take the next step. My spirit is with you. Do not be afraid. Get up. Get up. Run. Run to the table. Run to the community. Run to the things that God is asking you to do. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I will fill this house with glory greater than the glory of the former house. This isn't comparing one thing against another. It's like every step, every step will cost you everything again, but it's always unto something more that God is inviting to you to. Does that make sense? And in this place, I will grant peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. 
And it's like the prophet is passing a baton right down into the New Testament era, and the writer of the book of Hebrews, who we're not sure who it is, but it's become part of the biblical text, part of the closed canon of Scripture, picks up the baton. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things. Both creation, but things that we've created with our own hands. Schedules we've created to survive. Business plans we've created. Buildings we've created. Scenarios we've created. Coping mechanisms we've created food we've created, clothes we've created, stuff we've created, hoping it's going to help us just sustain and hang in there another day and maybe find some comfort in the journey. And sometimes the Spirit of God comes and shakes all of it. Sometimes it's very minuscule and small and it's just in your own little world and sometimes it's across the nations of the earth. Would you not feel we're in one of those shaking times right now? Kind of seems like it, doesn't it? One of the mysteries of the prophetic in Scripture is, is it cascades. It kind of rolls along. And so there was application of this in the time of Haggai. Obviously, there's an application in the time of Jesus. But the writer of Hebrews seems to indicate this. There will be ebbs and flows. And Jesus described it like birth, the birth pangs of a mother about to give birth. The closer and closer it comes to his return, it's like the birth pangs, the birth pangs. It's, it's like don't the light is going to increase, the darkness is going to increase, the heavens will shake, the earth will shake, but what's it all unto? I will shake all things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence, and here's that word again, and awe. If you're being shaken right now, and again, shaking is is not always just, don't put it in a negative connotation. This whole church is being shaken right now. Change is upon you. Expansion, growth. We, We have an expression in Canada, would you have the same one? Growing pains. so that you can rediscover again and again the unshakable things, the unshakable things. And it's described here in the text as the kingdom of heaven. The work of God, the things that he calls us to, the priorities that he calls us to, for our God is consuming fire. He is consuming fire. So, what is this, what's this glory? 1992, I was living in a city called Kansas City in the United States, we're Canadian, but we've, we've spent a total of about 15 years in our life journey uh, planting churches and part of different uh, expressions of the, of the vineyard in the, in the United States. And there was this bizarre kind of freak thunderstorm that happened, and I was, uh, I won't, unpack it all for you and we don't have time and it's just a very personal story but uh, it ended up with me in this experience just just flat on my back looking up into the 
boiling, boiling, boiling sky of clouds and of lightning and all this. And there was like this, this brief, brief moment where it was like the clouds were just about to part. And I was started having, I just started panicking. I was having, it was uncontrollable. I just had this, this uh, terror, but it wasn't like a paralyzing terror. Like it, it was just terror. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It was just pure, raw terror that if the, if the clouds parted, I'd just be like fried to a crisp. It was like this sense of this overwhelming glory of God. There is this aspect of glory. There, there's, there's this unmistakable, so sometimes in the text, it says that it's like a weight that comes on a whole community of people. It's tangible. It's, it's very real, but it's always unto the revelation of the Son of God. And the upside-downness of this glory is in the midst of all this majesty, in the midst of all this power, in the midst of this, the, the, you know, the name of Jesus that is above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess his glory comes in a way that is so disarming. And if you're, care if you're not careful, you just might miss it. It's described this way in Isaiah chapter 53, the climax of the, of the prophecy of Isaiah. The whole book has been ramping up to this moment. Beginning in chapter 9, it's like, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. And every Israeli is like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is crazy pants prophecy. Because this is like impossible. Every Jewish child knows from the time that they can, when they first will be able to remember that if you see God's glory, what will happen to you? You will die. It's like Elijah seeing a cloud. You know, remember they says, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist, and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And Isaiah's like, it's coming. It's coming. Chapter 42, it's going to bring justice to the nations. Chapter 55, it's going to establish the house of prayer. Chapter 58, it's going to free the captives. It's going to, it's going to liberate the nations. It's going to bring the year of Jubilee. And it crests chapter 59. You know, it, it's, it just like keeps coming. And chapter 53 is the climax of this thing. But the prophet says, little caveat, little warning, surgeon warnings, gen, you know, surgeon general's warning. Do you have that like on the, you know, it's like, watch it. You're not going to believe this message. In fact, you might not want to believe this report. Here comes the glory of God. It's a man of sorrows. As, I, as he gets closer, Isaiah 53 tells us he's been so beaten by the violence of the human story, you can't even recognize him as a human being. He's like beaten to a pulp. But yet the nearer he gets, this lamb that was slain, who sits at the right hand of the Father, it's, it's, it should be the most horrifying thing we've ever seen. And yet, those of us who have met this Jesus, isn't he beautiful? Who is this God? Who is this King? so upside down, so unlike any other. 
And the glory does come and fill the temple. And what does it look like? It looks like tables being turned over. The Son of God saying, this house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. That doesn't mean in both Isaiah and Jesus when he speaks it in the Gospels, it doesn't mean we pray for people in the house of prayer. It means nobody is barred access. In fact, in Isaiah 56, the prophet says, let the foreigner come into the house of prayer and their sacrifice will be acceptable on God's altar if they choose to bow their knee and, and pay homage to the God of the universe. The poor are welcome. The rich are welcome. The broken, those who think they've got it together from every strata of English society, from every collar turned up and collar turned down, from every haircut that's cut to the right and cut to the left. from every strata of society, from the brokenness of the streets to the royalty in the palaces, all are welcome here. This is the glory of the Lord that is revealed. And we all come, we all come on equal ground before this king. Yes, even the resurrected king, Thomas. Remember the, the man Thomas? Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's so wrestling. He's so full of doubt. How does Jesus reveal his glory? Touch me, Thomas. Put your hand right into my wounds. Put, touch, touch the nail. Touch the nails. Hebrews and other writers in the, in the New Testament tell us Jesus bar, bears scars for all eternity. That's not our concept of glory, is it? It kind of makes you redefine perfection. Can a marred body be perfect? Yeah, when it's Jesus. So, I have a bunch of other slides, and we're right at the end of time, but the, que the question is this. Make room. This thing, make room for more, is not just a slogan. I, I really don't, you know, it's kind of, you know, some people are having some fun with it. I, I hope you know this, John. It's like, hey, we should have, you know, make room for more and an arrow down to your stomach. You know, it's like things like that. You know, make, you know we need teacups. We need T-shirts. We need, it, and it's, it's, it's actually, that's a great sign of health in a community when it's like just become so much part of the language and everything. But I, I just want to implore you and call you and appeal to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Can you make room? There's something bigger than you. There's something bigger than your paneled house. There's something, and this isn't like, this isn't like a heavy, you know, you're, screw, you're screwing it all up, get back on track. It's like, no, there's, a, there's an invitation to step, to maybe open up some things and allow the Lord to be more, more of your dreams, more of your career, more of your business efforts, more of your coping, more of your trying to survive, more of this church, more in this space, more, and it, to, to be this, this place of welcome and hope and healing where the glory of Jesus, the lamb that was slain, his power, his grace, his approachability, his love, 
is here.